Hello and welcome to First Draft, the podcast where I, Heidi James, talk about the writing of the first draft of my novel, Sound Mirror. Hello, beautiful people. How are you? Um, All's good in this end of the world. I am finishing up my term, which is good because it's driving me crazy. Um, Went to a lovely launch of the book, the anthology that my short story is in. Um, it has Daisy Johnson, Sophie McIntosh, Octavia Bright, YZ Chin, Joseph Keckler, and others. It's pretty fantastic. Um, I'm going to be announcing a little competition to win a couple of signed copies later on. Um, what else have I been up to? Oh, listen to loads of podcasts. Listen to Literary Friction. That's pretty darn amazing. Um, no Man's Land, that's also amazing. There was a great episode about Sylvia Plath on there um, that I really loved. A whole new sort of take on Sylvia Plath, look more joyful and embracing her life rather than approaching it from her death, which was pretty fantastic. Um, yeah, still reading The Milkman. I know I raved about it in the beginning, but it's slow going now. So, yeah, I've got to be honest, I'm cheating a tiny bit and skimming it. But, you know, I'm 40 fucking five. I can do what I like. Um, So, yeah. Hello. Tell me what you're up to. What are you doing? I haven't been procrastinating because I've been working my arse off. Um, So, you know, I'm very good this week anyway. But I will be procrastinating next week, I'm pretty sure. And then getting down to that bloody novel, which I'm excited about, and getting lots of notes in and ideas in. So it's all happening somewhere. But today, the most exciting thing is I am joined by Rebecca Latin Rostrone. She's the author of the novel Home. She ha- she's a wonderful critic, actually. Um, she's a lecturer in creative writing at City University. And she also works for Bite the Book. Hi, Rebecca. Hello, Heidi. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, thanks, baby. It's lovely to have you. So... How are you procrastinating? Can you procrastinate oh when you've got God. babies and yeah, I'm brilliant and procrastinating. I think my best way of procrastinating is just finding lots of things to read. So I say, oh my gosh, I want to write about this, but I haven't read that. Oh yeah, so, I do that know, too. Before I start doing this, I really ought to read that. So yep. then I get sidetracked by. Yep. Reading sometimes factual books, sometimes fiction, because I think, oh, that's sort of in the area of the thing I want to write about. Yeah. Yeah, and then I'm gone. I do exactly say, like, oh, no, I, before I embark on that, I must read. And then, of course, what that does, I don't know about you, then I go, oh, well, I can't do that because someone else has done it. Or and- I think, oh, I'm never going to be able to do it as well mm-hmm. as that. Oh, no, what am I doing? And then I have another period of procrastination. I'm a master. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, do you think there's any writer who isn't? Probably not. I mean, I do hear people say things like they won't read other fiction books while they're writing, and I sort of get that. Um, You know, like they have, they have, they say, right, if I'm going to write now, I'm going to put away all my books. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to read anything. I'm just going to be focused on my writing. But I actually can't stop. It's a bit of a sort of compulsion, the reading compulsion, which Mm. is good. I mean, we need readers. Yeah, absolutely. So. but I think sometimes I need to just say, right, enough is enough. Yeah, yeah, me too. Stop. I sometimes, I don't know about you, I sometimes find that I almost fill up with the idea and then I have to write. Yes. I can't hold on to yeah, it anymore. Yeah, and sometimes I wonder whether reading a book is my way of getting to the point of feeling like I, I'm going to be sick if I don't just yeah. get on and do it. And I'm happy when I'm writing, like I'm not saying that I always like what I've written when I've done it, but if the words are coming out on the page, I feel like something good is happening with me. Like mm. my, my world, this is what I'm meant to be doing. Yeah, yeah, and it's got nothing to do with how great it is. It's just a sense of I think maybe just trying to make sense of what's going on in your head, just trying to put all of those ideas down in a way which makes them fit. Yeah, Joan Didion talks about not. I'm not saying that, you know drawing a parallel between us and Joan Didion now would be sacrilegious but um she sort of talks about how 
I'm going to paraphrase and misquote this horribly, but something along the lines of, I don't know what I'm thinking until I've, I've written it down. Yeah, I hear that. But I think that's the case for an awful lot of people, even people who don't write, who just sit down and write lists. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. My brother true. is an actor, and the first thing he does is sits down and draws like these little, almost like a, what do you call them, mind maps, mm-hmm. little clouds, little mm-hmm. things he's been thinking about. Then it allows him to focus and get on with his day if he's just put it on a piece of paper somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I wonder whether it's a skill that we all use in different ways. Mm. I'm not suggesting that writers don't do it in a different way. But no, but I understand what you're saying. It's a way of understanding your thought process and uh, laying it out. And, yeah, and, and sometimes making space. Abs- yes, that's very true. So I do read when I'm, write- when I'm writing, actually. But I have companion books to what I'm doing. Do you? I yes. I find that book gives me confidence. Yes, it does. And also sometimes there's a certain mood that I want to capture. Mm-hmm. Like I, th- I think about a certain character and I say, yes... The book that they were really obsessed with at the time that I want to write about them mm. was this. So I'm going to need to remind myself of how that book sounds. Because I think if your character is a reader, then books do, the language of a book does kind of inhabit your thoughts. You know, yeah. you start mm-hmm. to turn phrases in the way that the book you're reading does and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. So I often want to do that. I want to kind of bring back the feelings of of that language into the way that my character's thinking um that makes sense yeah and sometimes they just make you feel like yeah you can do this it is as you say like having a friend with you yeah go on this is it's easy this you is how it's get done get to the end of that book yeah keep going look it's one word after another yeah maybe maybe polish it later but it's one word yeah so what are you writing at the moment so I'm writing a novel I have been, unsurprisingly, writing for many years, hence the brilliance of procrastination. <laughs> um, and it is about two half-sisters uh, who swap continents during the same year to kind of uncover the secrets of who they are. Mm-hmm. And one of them knew about the other, the other one didn't. So it's sort of like a journey of discovery, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of their ideas about what they would find in this other place to some obviously are challenged otherwise there wouldn't be much of a story there so no. it's partly set in Malawi and partly set in Cambridge in England um, two places close to your two places heart. I do know yes. yes although I haven't visited either of them that recently but yeah and I think I think sometimes if you write about something even if it isn't about you mm-hmm. but it's close to things that close emotionally to you I mean everything that you write about is isn't it so you sometimes need an extra layer of filtering I think like you need extra distance which I think this is why it's taken me such a long time yeah I agree I think yeah sometimes you think you're writing something that's very distant from yourself and then realise there's it's continuing a theme it's hard to get away from those themes isn't it you don't even know you have them sometimes no it's the thing you're mining I always think of like it's the scene that you're mining so the the story you read in the the new anthologies about middle class people but what's wonderful about it, you say that, but at the same time, it's about family relationships. Well, that's what I was going to say. So it's, it's yeah. like middle class, like the dad is an architect. I don't know what that world is like. Well, I sort of do now because I, I know. But but it's about a mother. Yes. Who isn't present. Yes. Whoop, there's, wow, there's a surprise. And Heidi about writes about weird back. mothers. <laughs> and, and it's also about how different people in families respond to the same thing happening to yeah them. which is so diverse yeah and and how that changes their ability to mm-hmm. relate to each other yeah and I love the way you've got a boyfriend in there and I think what was great about him was that he he kind of sat there and what are they fighting about you know what's going on here my girlfriend's being a bitch but actually <laughs> you think well no it's not that simple and it never is that simple with families is no. it there's always all this undercurrent and I think it's a real skill. It's a short story. It's a skill to get all of that. I, honestly, I didn't ask her to come on here to boost my ego, but no. I am kind of enjoying it. It's nice. <laughs> it's just the truth. Uh, but also prescient, or, or actually apposite, considering we're coming into Christmas, etc., and when we all have to. Do you turn into yes. a fifteen-year-old again with your brothers and sisters? Do you know what I mean? That yeah, kind of... it gets worse if we're all there. Yeah, yeah. Why am I acting like this? Yeah. Why, why, why am I snapping <laughs> and slamming doors? Yeah. <laughs> and expecting your mum to pick your socks up. You're like, I'm a grown-up with my own children. 
Well, she gets me up early, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on. I'm being quiet down here. No, Mum, you're unpacking that dishwasher very loudly. And running the hoover round next to my bed. <laughs> What's the matter with you? <laughs> yeah. So, the novel. How's the writing going? How do you approach your characters? How do you... Do you, do you sort of... I'm a gatherer of notes and thoughts, and a lot of the work takes place off the page almost. Are you one of those, or do you have a first sentence and you go from there, or do you plan? How? What's your process like? Well, to be honest, I think it's been quite different for different things. So okay. the previous novel, in a way, did almost just come from an idea, and then I ran with it. So that's home. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a fantastic... In fact, Which I published you, that yeah, with a social disease first. You've always been incredibly supportive, and that's actually one of the things that I think you need if you're a massive procrastinator you need people to keep on saying to you where is it yeah <laughs> don't give up yeah um yeah so but th- with this one it's gone through so it's I mean this is it's I don't know multiple draft mm. and but that's really encouraging I think for all all of the rest of us it's like there may be many drafts that's yeah. okay that's precisely the process and I think people forget that often first-time writers sort of imagine that they'll have written the first draft and that'll be it mm-hmm. and I think that Actually, with the other novel as well, that there were major things I needed to do that I didn't even realise I needed to do until I'd finished it. And then I was like, oh. And with this book, I know as I'm writing this draft, I can feel as I'm doing it that Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to come back again and change things. But at the same time, I know that it's almost like sometimes you need scenes to be fatter than you want them to be ultimately Mm -hmm. so that you can cut them back. So you just think, well, I'm just going to go there. I'm just going to really write this moment and see how it feels. Even though I kind of am aware that my storyline is sort of going la 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 la, well, I'm, like, well, I'm going. Oh, this is fun to write about. But it, I think, as a reader, you'd probably be feeling frustrated there. But it's easier to trim fat totally than add, don't you think? Absolutely. I always, think, always think write more. I mean, sometimes yeah. I don't. Sometimes I'll sketch something out, and then no, I'll come back to it. But generally speaking, I think it's much better to write way too much. And then pair it back. I completely agree. And I think that pairing back is such a pleasing process as mm. well. I mean, it's hard. But then just that feeling of, I don't actually need that whole scene. Yeah. Because it's coming out anyway. Do you keep those scenes, though? For um, something else? You never know when they might be useful. Yes, I do. I, I do, do keep them. Yeah. Yeah. But so it's it's going okay. and and I. But I'm not an obsessive planner. Like, I don't plan... I think if I planned everything, you know, in this chapter, mm-hmm. first of all, this is going to happen, and then this is going to... And kind of almost had it to the point of just filling in the gaps. Yeah. I think I, I'm never going to quite get to that point. Okay, that makes be, sense. Because I I kind of... That joy of discovery... I mean, obviously, this is multiple drafts, so in a sense, I do know a lot of what's really happening. Mm-hmm. But one storyline in particular has changed, so that one of the girls, I felt like her storyline just didn't have the same richness right and her kind of I didn't couldn't I hadn't really teased out what it was she was trying to find and I think this draft that's coming out much more strongly and so there's more discovery there which is nice because that's the bit I kind of enjoy yeah when things happen and you go oh Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you hadn't really imagined that you were going to do that or that that was going to happen yeah, it that almost sounds, I think to an outsider that would sound almost like we're believing in some metaphysical muse who's got the, delivering the novel in piecemeal to us that's already, do you know, what, but of course it isn't, but that isn't how it's working, it is the imagination, but it does reveal itself, characters suddenly tell, like come to life and you discover things about them and they stop, to, I know this is a cliche and lots of writers talk about it, but it, I, find, I still find it really exciting and quite lovely when that happens you go, oh hello that's yeah. oh and that's where you realize all of this thinking time all of mm. this jotting notes time mm. that's all been brewing kind of like some kind of peat bog <laughs> pressing <laughs> down over the times you've mummifying just been the corpses watching bad telly <laughs> yeah. yeah somewhere in there it's all taking place and it's just that the, the actual act of the tapping away or the however you do it writing with your pen kind of unearths that stuff which is hidden under there are you do you write in long how do you write do you write I, don't, I do a bit of both actually do you? um i really like writing in longhand mm-hmm. but i think with this with what i'm doing at the moment it's mostly coming out on the on the computer because i have i already have all these multiple drafts of kind of juggling 
<laughs> going, oh, I wrote about that in the old version on page 295. So are you redrafting from the draft or have you put one away and you've started completely afresh? It's a bit of a mesh. So well, I'm kind of pulling some stuff out because I knew I really want that. So yeah. I'm kind of looking at it again, rethinking about it, redrafting it, and then also putting in new things. Oh, Funnily awesome. enough, the thing I enjoy the most is the new things. But I think that some of it did feel like it, you know, was important. I hadn't. That wasn't a mistake that I'd written. I just, I just hadn't done it in quite the right way. Uh huh. That <sighs> makes sense. I hear that. Yeah. It's a funny old business, isn't it? The the drafting and the. It is, and I seriously hope that I won't have quite the same trouble with the next one. So do you have an idea for your yeah, next yeah, novel? Yeah, I totally have an idea for my next novel. Tell us. Can you tell us? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, I suppose in a weird sort of way, it's quite inspired by Virginia Woolf. Kel surprise. <laughs> um, and, um, it's, There's um, nothing wrong with that. And uh, so part of it, it's set around the time that she was writing, but it's ba- it's a- about the writer Gertrude Bell. Oh, yes, who yeah. I'm kind of not... The, she was um, a traveller, and she she did all the most kind of unbelievable things as a woman for her time mm-hmm. in... She helped to draw the boundaries of Iraq. Yeah, she's I remember reading quite, about her. I've got a book... I've got a bio, uh, biography of yeah, her. She's, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a very interesting woman. Um, and a lot of the women from that time are interesting because they have all these different sorts of characteristics to them. One... They almost behave like men in some respects mm. because nobody's going to take them seriously unless they do. So they're often very odd, quote unquote, you know, wear strange clothes, put themselves in places they're not supposed to be. They almost, in a sense, unsex themselves, but at the same time, they use that. Isn't that a peculiar gender. idea, though, to unsex or to that you're acting like a man as opposed to a human who has freedom yeah. or who claims their own space, that that's acting, that it those behaviours have become so um, sort of symptomatic of gender, of, it's just... Well, and then the flip side is, of course, that they use it. So they, not only are they kind of manning up in a way, but they're Ugh. also saying also but I'm a woman, so I can sit here and be different and be kind of... Because I, I'm not... I don't fit within yeah. the expected space. I'm given extra room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, women of a certain class and race, of exactly, course, though. But, exactly, yeah. And that, again, is interesting because I'm interested in how... Well, I'm interested in the whole... That, that whole period where British people felt they could go out and just colonise the world. Yeah, rename things, take things. Yeah, and women were doing it too. Absolutely. My um, friend Aideen, I think you've met, Jim, you've met Aideen, haven't yes, you? Dr. I Aideen have. Agnew. She writes beautifully, she's a critic, she writes beautifully about an academic, um, about um, post-colonial women often in India and, and, and uh, she's written about one woman in particular who was a botanist. But, you know, that it's a colonial act, the, the renaming, the claiming. Yeah. Making decisions about it's... what the best thing is for other cultures. Right. But it's so even, but just, just, just think, you know, those plants and those specimens, even what seems a benign act, collecting information, knowledge, is entirely about imperial yeah. claim. It's just so bloody awful. Yeah. And, so, and I, and I, and I don't think we're very good at, at talking about that as a culture. We want to. We're really good at saying, "Oops, sorry, I just bumped into you in the street," or "Oh, sorry, I just mm. knocked you with my umbrella." But we don't go, "Oh, sorry, I totally fucked your country up because I nicked it." Yeah, you know, we don't do that. We yeah. just pretend that none of that happened, and we didn't oppress people, we didn't enslave people. We were terribly lovely. We're British. What yes, do you mean? We were, we're very, very polite, above board, and civilized. And, and fuck know. off, we're keeping the British Museum stuff because it's much nicer to see it all together. That's it, and like, don't oh, forget, on. we really helped you with your trains. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all that kind of I like, know. Ooh. And so I, I feel like, I mean, I am middle class, and I, and I don't like saying it I, because I feel guilty. I feel a weight of my history mm-hmm. bearing down on me that I feel someone at some point has to say, this is what happened. Yeah. This is what I'm a part of. This is what we did. Here it is. I'm laying it out. So it wouldn't just be about her. It would right. be about other women as well. I mean, it's still taking shape. But this I want a contemporary great. woman. And, well, it's great. I've got all these ideas. So I just have to finish the other one. Yeah. Can you get a move on, please? <laughs> exactly. Get a wriggle on. Yeah, okay. I'll try. <laughs> um, so how are you finding writing these two spaces? 
So Malawi in Cambridge. Tell me about writing place for you. Um, I'd like to be better at it. Oh, you I, um, really? Because I think yeah. your descriptions are beautiful. One of the things I absolutely love about your work is the, the descriptive work. Like, oh, thank you, you can I create think. a world really beautiful, which I find quite difficult sometimes. I, I think it's that thinking about the senses, isn't it? It's what I always try to come back to. And sometimes I'll read a passage and I'll feel like I haven't made someone... I haven't put the reader in there. Right, okay. And... Like, I haven't brought them right into what it feels like. And I guess that's what I feel like I have to think about doing. What things smell like. Mm. But also, again, that becomes really specific for different characters. You know, what reminds you of, you know, one person might sniff pepper and think one thing and another. Mm. So it's all of that sort of stuff, which I often will go back and think, well, I haven't really brought that to life. Yes, feels just like painting and it's got to be more than that because mm-hmm. you can give more than that in a piece well, of Well because description of place is utterly about character building as well isn't yeah. it? Like it's how that character interacts and it's of their time of their um, so we say you know it's like da 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 it smells like and you think well that person wouldn't think that they've probably never smelled that or you know yeah. it's it's understanding that that for me is great writing when you're you know when people talk about killing your darlings? I don't believe yeah. all that, actually. There's a lot... I sometimes think, no, fuck it, I want beautiful, ornate, extraordinary language. No, I overdo it. Sometimes. I was going to say the genius is to do that and for it to be relevant and well, That's my point. For yeah. it to not... It's when it's authorial intrusion, when you have... When it's like, oh, no, this is you. This is your... This is a well-educated 50-year-old bloke or woman or, or even 22-year-old, but well-educated person... But when it's married very, very closely to the character, so it's seamless, then it's gorgeous. And this, I said last week, you were like, oh, Rebecca, come and talk to me about psychic distance. And in a sense, in a way, that's what psychic distance Look, is about. Just, you just lined it up for me. <laughs> no, but it is. It's, <laughs> it's like when it's the distance between the reader and the character's experience. So what I would think of as free and direct style. Yes, would be a really close okay. kind of psychic distance Mm -hmm. and obviously you can do it with first person as well but the very very distant would be you know in 1985 on a cold winter's day so omniscient yeah but i mean you can still be in the omniscient third person Mm -hmm. and be doing the free and direct style do you know what i mean you can go what it does it kind of opens up that sense that i think often creative writing teachers they say oh you know well, you've got these three main points of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm and sure I'm guilty of that too. No, actually. but but we do it because it's useful to know what they are. Yeah. But there's so much scope within them. So when everybody says, you know, oh well, the reason this story doesn't work is because you've hopped heads. You know, you've you've started in this character's head and then you've jumped to another. All you need to do is open the pages of again. I, I feel like I'm overdoing Virginia Woolf, but uh, Virginia Woolf. Could, but look, we've had two characters' heads there within the space of three paragraphs Mm -hmm. we've moved from one to the other I'm not confused yeah yeah and it's that ability to kind of navigate through those levels I guess that's the the way it's trying to get you to think about how you can be in one point of view but you can move towards one person said come back out into the world and then that world kind of from how the other person sees Mm. that world going further in again and then coming back out again Mm. no one gets confused I'm not saying it's easy always to read it but it gives you a way of thinking, okay, I don't just have... There aren't rules, you know, quote-unquote. Uh-huh, absolutely. You can be playful. And yeah. in a sense, it is, again, it's about language. It's about whose language am I hearing? Am I hearing the narrator's language? Or am I hearing my, the character's language? Mm. And, and I think there are uses to both. So in a sense, it is that kind of... It, it marries really well with the idea of showing and telling. You know, showing that mm. kind of experience is all very intense, very close up. The reader feels like they're experiencing it too. Yeah. And often I think that works well when you're right inside their heads at the same time. Yes. But then you come back and you can't have... Well, you can have a whole novel that's told like that, but you have to have a very strong reason for doing it and you have to know that some of your readers will drop off. If you're entirely... If you're constantly in there. Yeah. And I think the same thing for being out there. There's <clears throat> this novel, uh, Reservoir 13, and I'm going to forget now. But someone's oh, gonna yeah. Tell me. John McGregor, is it? Yeah. I haven't so, read it yet. I'm a, I've got it on my shelf. It's on my to-be-read. It's really interesting because it's completely distant the whole way through. Have you read A Little Life? Yes. 
that I felt I loved that book for all sorts of reasons but my, if I had a criticism it felt very outside it oh, felt very so telling 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 and then they do and then they go and they feel and they do and they are looking and they are there were you and I'm sure there was a reason the author chose that possibly to dissect and look at this group almost dispassionately otherwise it'd be enormously painful to read because it is painful it is painful so to is read. John McGregor sort of similar no it's Ooh. even further back really yeah it's like and and whilst I really admire it <clears> I just I can't for me I want I want writing to come out and give me a great big kick in the guts yeah know? me too actually yeah <laughs> I yeah. want to feel it inside me and I just the John McGregor I just felt like I was floating on the surface the whole time mm. and I never really went inside what it felt like to be that character and I I, I mean I'm sure he did it purposefully mm. and you do get the sense of a community and, a, and an area what happens to it how they respond to kind of death and loss and you know you, you can see that happening but I at the same time I feel unmoved by it and I think I want to be moved right I'll have to read that because two I've read a couple of his and I found those very moved there's the one exactly the one on the street about the street yes the yes accident. to speak of what's that remark- called to, sp- uh, to speak, speak of remarkable things. things and then the yeah. other one when the homeless guy dies oh I haven't read that I forget one. what that's called that's terrible remind me guys tell me what's called that, that, both of those I found incredibly but, but beautifully that's what moving I mean about and it compassionate being... and Surprising, right? Well, you know, the, it feels like he's obviously chosen to do this, and it's not, and it does paint this beautiful portrait of a place, and yeah. you do get a sense of what's happening with these different people. But I don't ever feel like I'm fully with them. That's really, I have to, yeah, okay. I mean, I, I, it's pretty impressive, but I think ultimately there are other books that I, you know, I feel move me more. So that your, so what your, so with your own work. Do you prefer to state that sort of keeping this closeness then? Well, I think it's useful to have both. I think I think you need both because, I mean, in many ways, lots of the writing I really admire is quite objective, like Steinbeck kind of. Oh, know, I love Steinbeck. Where, where you feel like you're... And in a way, I think it's often how we experience the world. We don't know what's happening in other people's heads. We're just guessing all the time. Of course. So, if, But if you can do that so that you can... You can suggest that the way that somebody picks up their cup is... I, that's what I prefer, yeah. Yeah. That through action. Yeah. So you stay with what... I like to stay with one character, even if you then switch perspectives in another chapter or something, which yes. is something I, I realised I do all the time. I think it's because we're drawn to the Many, fact that there isn't one story. No, precisely. But um, the way you are suggesting... So I, I know that it's a cliche to get rid of adjectives, but I don't like adjectives. I think they're lazy. They said embarrassedly. Well, a, how do you know? And b, show me that. Like, cause you, yeah. do you know what? I, like, I would I never know. say. Oh, I, I said it embarrassedly. I'd say to you, oh my god, you should. I was so embarrassed. I was shaking. Oh god, it was awful. Like I tripped up on my way out. You know, even if I describe my embarrassment to you, I'm describing it through my yes. own actions. Yeah. I tripped up. I'm sure my skirt was stuck in my knickers. Oh, did that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. But I think it's. It's kind of like a shorthand, isn't it? Mm. But it's any time you're using words like that, that they they mean something. Of course, they mean something, but they're very general. Yeah, so they yeah. can mean multiple things. But what you're yeah. trying to get to is the kind of specific moment, the specific feeling, mm-hmm. and that precision. Weirdly, somehow, is more enlivening than totally. the general. No, I agree. Because some of us, when we're like, when I'm embarrassed, I blush, I stammer, I get shy. I want that, but some people, when my father, for example, the other way. well, he gets more brash yeah. and showy offy to cover up. You know, some people. Do you, so it is. So how it's very precise and specific how we all respond. Yeah, and that's some what people makes, you wouldn't even know they were shy because that's exactly what they do. They mm-hmm. do the whole. Whoa, ha, ha, ha. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they perform. Oh, it's so nice talking to you. Tell me. So I want to know more about more about the book. More about the book, please. Uh, more about the book well I'm about I reckon I'm over halfway through the redraft which is quite exciting it's happening and I 
took off some restraints. Like in a sense, I kept telling myself it's got to be done. I mean, this is ridiculous. It's got to be done in the next mm. month. It's got to be done in the next three months. And I kept giving myself deadlines that I wasn't making. Right. And I don't have anybody. I mean, people have said they'd be interested to read it when it's done, but mm-hmm. I don't have an agent. I don't have a publisher. I don't have anyone waiting for it to be finished. So, and I felt like actually what that was doing was it was making it harder for me to write. Right. As opposed to giving you a sort of productive. Yeah, I felt like I, I was. I, it almost it almost kind of sat in my mouth like like yeah that's like a not gag. good yeah, yeah yeah so I was like okay it doesn't matter how long it takes if I turn up so at the moment I Brilliant. did that I've done so much more writing since then that's such a, that's really that's a great bit of advice almost actually that's a really good point that like just set yourself free. And, you know, obviously, we all want to be writing more. I mean, well, most people, I assume, do. But it's that thing of, I don't know, it probably doesn't work for everyone, but I've, I've done more writing. I've written more. I've, I've turned up, you know, more days of the week. I've, I want to write every day. Of course I do, and I've had patches of writing every day. Mm. But there are patches where I don't. Um, and that's usually when I feel crap about myself, about my book, about, what you know, everything. Yeah, well, you're giving yourself another stick to beat yourself with, aren't yeah. you, almost? Which... If it's useful, great. But if it's not, then why? Why? Yeah. So fingers crossed. I'm not going to tell you when it's going to be finished because that no. will be doing the same thing. But I, it's happening, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm all those things you are when you're writing a draft. Yeah, it's an emotional process. Yeah, and I think when people say, "Oh no, it's fine," it's not really. I think, really? How? Well, then why are you even doing it? Surely you have to invest in it and be emotional about it. Yeah, and I think one of your other podcasts you were talking about feeling sick of it. Yeah. Is that with Ben Myers? <laughs> yeah. And sometimes that is it. You're just like, you know what? I can't bear to think about you this anymore. boring the light. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, go away. And there are moments when you feel like, when I feel like that with it, I'm just like, yeah. oh, not that. Fucking learning to ride a bike again. Which is <laughs> yeah, uh, I like I like writing short stories in the middle of writing novels. Yes, yes, I often do that just to give myself a little. I find it really helps me actually. But I sort of go off and write short stories while I'm in the middle of something else, and it just is like a little palate refresher or just a change of pace or something. Yeah. But I can I love I write short stories really quickly, like in a day, like the one I that's in the. Some such anthology I wrote in a day. I don't know how you do it. And then I, you know, you edit a couple of days later. Yeah, that's the key though, isn't it? I think sometimes short stories can come out like that yeah. in a big rush. But but then I often find if I don't take some time off them, I'm like, ooh, I really love the story. And then I read mm. it. And go, yeah, mm. that's true. Yeah, you do. I do take time off and then come back and then tinker. But yeah, it's great though. I want it to get is. a collection together. You should you get a collection together. You should definitely get a collection. Well, I do have a collection, but it's really small. And again, in sort of sort of classic way, someone said, oh, hey, you know, Rebecca, you should, I like the sound of that story when you publish it. So I did. Mm-hmm. But I probably should have waited <laughs> and, like, put more in it. You know, Influx, guys, yes. for everyone, Influx Press, amazing, award-winning um, indie press they are opening publication they're opening for submissions in January mm. and they publish collections of short stories you could try I could try do it <laughs> get it together I think I might need to make some more first I think you should do it well yeah, yeah, you've just... got a publisher though would they not yeah, do no I don't think Blue Moose are interested in short stories at the moment actually I did ask okay. them a while ago um, but I would like to yeah certainly something but then you know you think is that another way of distracting myself yeah. from sound mirror? And they do take a lot of work, I think. A collection yeah. doesn't just kind of fall out of the sky. Doesn't it? Damn! Sadly, no. <laughs> I think, well, when you read the best ones, you think, oh. Yeah. They're, and they're beautifully thought about. Yeah. In... And they connect in interesting ways. Yeah. So, yeah, but you've definitely, definitely got one in there. So I've don't got give about up on that 30 idea. or 40 short stories. Yeah, but that's great because you have such choice then. Mm, we shall see we shall see I'll help you <laughs> <laughs> so what else is happening in literature because it's almost like your life is all built you've managed to do it so well like yeah the, well, the book like life more. hi everyone um, <laughs> but um, I do I do well I like I just I just like words I like books I like stories and I want them all the time <laughs> 
So in a way, I guess that's what the teaching is about. And I think sometimes when people talk to me about books, that's when I feel most animated. That's when I feel like I have the most to say. Yeah. Even though all of those writings and stories, they're all about the world. They're all about the way that we understand each other and yeah. perceive ourselves. Um, What's so, yeah. that about for you, do you think? That you, the book Does the book mediate the world for you? Or is it another lens? Or I think... You know, I want. Uh, there was a piece of research that came out about um, how when people read books, mm-hmm. good books, unsurprisingly, you know, in the sense of not all books will do it, but if you're reading a book that, that takes you into a character's experiences in life, mm-hmm. your brain chemistry changes. Like the neural, neural pathways show as if you've had those experiences yourself. Yeah, I've given a lecture on that. Yeah. I've read that exactly. Yeah, I know the research you're talking yeah. about. It's really, it's quite extraordinary, actually. And yeah. I think that is my experience of reading. The mirror, the mirror neurons are fired. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly what's happening. It's a new, it's a way of trying to understand what, what I think we're all trying to do. What the hell's happening? Yeah. Why are we here? What, yeah. what does it all mean? And oh, poor little naked apes. <laughs> Gazing at the moon. Why? 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 <laughs> <laughs> why have I got this existential angst but then luckily there's someone who can tell me what they felt like so <laughs> that's good I'll listen to them for a bit yeah and so sometimes if there's a gap between reading I yeah. just or if I'm reading a book I don't like I feel so alone yes I know that yeah you feel it's isn't it an odd feeling when you read something especially for other people it's very hyped and people say they love it and you read it and you don't like it I I feel very like out on a limb, ostracised almost. Yes. Like, what's and wrong with me? Like, you know, you suddenly and everything suddenly seems really grey and boring. Yeah. <laughs> what's going on? So maybe it is. Maybe it is borrowing other people's lenses, putting their glasses on for a while and seeing Isn't what that the world looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have you always? Did you love books when you were tiny? Did your mum read lots to you? Or? Uh, no, weirdly no. Um, I was a big fan of fairy stories. That's really mostly what I read. Mm. So I had friends that I met at university that would say, oh, have you read this? Have you read that? And I'd say, no. So I hadn't read the books that everyone else had been reading at the time. Mm-hmm. But I was obsessed with with fairy stories. I mean, I had huge, great big compendiums of them. Oh, how That I just... Grim, you know. Yeah. I mean, all of that stuff, that yeah. was what I, for some reason, grasped me. Oh, and weirdly... I really also liked um, C.S. Lewis, but not mm-hmm. not his Narnia tales, which I did read. Mm-hmm. But he wrote this quite strange adult fiction. My sister and I once had a fight over that book. <laughs> and we tore the front cover. <laughs> oh, no. But it was quite weird. But again, obviously, he's really interested in God and in yeah. what, what is the world. Uh-huh. And so this weird adult fiction had kind of aliens in it, and but in, in a quite sort of... In a weirdly Narnia-esque, otherworldly kind of way. Um, and I wish I had been reading Diana Wynne-Jones then, because I think I would have loved it, but I didn't know about her when I was young. No, I've not read any of her work. I just, all this kind of wonderful sci-fi sort of... I mean, yeah. Yeah. That, but I, I read I read fairy stories. I was obsessed with um, Greek myths and legends yes. when I was younger. I was obsessed with them. But how could you not be? No. And then, of course, someone gave me that... Sh- that book Heidi which I'm sure is a lovely book oh yeah of course they did but I really hated it because everyone would tease me I think I've only read Rebecca once for pretty much oh the that's reason. genius though I know but you know what I mean if it's got your name in it there's a yeah. weird sort of feeling that yeah but Rebecca's really great I mean Rebecca's sexy She's fabulous. Heidi's... So- People say to me, Heidi, where's Peter? Where are the oh. goats? And they'd sing that stupid TV, you know... Da, 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 da. Or, this is the other thing that used to drive me <laughs> mad. Dads would always say, Heidi, hi. Oh, yeah. You know, and you're like only seven. You yeah. really want to say, do you think you're fucking original, old man? But you don't. You just sort of give them a weird smile. Yes. I hate my fucking name. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) moving on. (laughs) What are you reading and loving at the minute? Um, Or hating? Either one. Well, I think the book that I really liked that I read recently was called uh, Black Friday. And I probably need to really quickly Google who wrote it because I'm not going to be able to pronounce their name very well. He's American, but I think also of Nigerian descent. Mm. And, um, yeah, just, it's great that one of the stories is about... um, 
uh, a guy, a black guy waking up in the morning, um, getting a phone call about an interview, and it's it's all about thinking about what layers of whiteness he puts on himself to allow oh, wow. society to accept him. So he lowers his voice, so he speaks softly so that people are interested and, you know, will, will, won't think that he's, you know, some kind of angry black man. Um and the whole collection is brilliant. It's not only just about... Uh, and that story, I mean, I'm not going to give it away, but it, it's also about this horrible case that's just happened where a white guy basically took a chainsaw to a whole black family outside oh a shopping centre because he felt they were being aggressive to him and he gets away with it. So the story is about the response to that happening in this particular world and and how it is to be black in America. Um, but obviously it's a that set in a kind of slightly amazing. future it's really brilliant and we need more stories experience. like this totally. you know we have no idea walking around in our white skins yeah. it's a fucking and Black bar. Friday too is about about consumerism of, of, yeah and this beyond the resources that we you know it's ridiculous yeah. it's absolutely brilliant and I feel slightly I haven't I haven't got his I haven't, I haven't got my phone on me otherwise I would google it it's, it, it's he is brilliant but I think he, he's already come out in America uh, he's come out in hardback here, and he comes out in January, I think, in softback. Um, and it's a collection of short stories. Yeah, it's a collection of short stories, and it is about that weird sort of. And in, in the Black Friday consumerism ones, you know, people are sort of literally stampeding towards the goods that they want to buy and killing each other. Is it uh, Nana Kwame yes. Adye Brenya? Yes. Okay, yeah, I'm going to get that. That looks brilliant. I really love it. And, I mean, he has been, I think, already been highly commended in, in America. And he sort of, I mean, there is a kind of George Saunders-ish kind of feel to the... Uh, George Saunders sort of feel to some of it, in the sense that you, you can tell that... That's interesting, because George Saunders is quoted yeah. on the book. Yeah, I'm sure that he must have maybe taught him or that they've right. met at some point. But some of the best of George Saunders, you know, the strange ones where the women are... On a, on a I haven't read any George Saunders either. Actually, I love his short fiction. Um, so, some of them are more hard hitting than others, but so, so some of the best of his short fiction definitely feels like it resonates in this book, but in a completely different yeah. and unique way. Yeah, um, yeah, I love that. Right, I should get that. What else? Have you got anything on your to be read pile? I want to read Milk. Um, but, um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I, I hope I haven't I, put you off. It, I, it, I do haven't. love it, but I'm just. I don't know, it's slowed down a bit. I, I want to talk about what this whole difficult thing it's is. It's not difficult, but it is yeah. a it does there are repetitions in the way that because it's so close we are in her head. Um it follows it's not people say stream of consciousness. I suppose it is, but it's more mannered than that. It's more it behaves better if if you like. Yes. Um Yes, but it does mean there's a circling and a repetitiousness yeah. that um, I'm just a bit, come on. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose a, I suppose a true inside head would be Finnegan's Wake, you know, which mm. I think most people know of, let's say it that way. You know, a lot of people haven't read because, exactly because translating the inner workings of another person's mind yeah. is a job in and of itself. True. Although, embarrassingly, I... My, I asked my mother to buy me that and um, Ulysses when I was 13. Good for you. And I read them. Good for you. And I loved them. Yeah. Because I was a pretentious working class shitbag who carried them around like they were badges of honour. But they were. They were your <laughs> friends. They were, they were friends. my friends, yeah. yeah. No, I, I did actually. I, I don't think I could read them now. I think that's I gorgeous that you had them with you oh thanks that but I also carry, carried copies of the face and things because I wanted to be a London cool kid but all these things matter don't they they're, they're, they're all pieces of how you I mean that's why I could never not keep my books you know that endless yeah kind what of is like, that I, I just buy have to move stuff. house and buy more more shelving that's your brains out there behind yeah. you so. do you write in your are you a book vandal I don't always I do a lot of page turns I do turn pages yeah I do because that. I got into a lot of trouble at school we weren't allowed to write on our books oh, so okay. I had this kind of whole you hey, mustn't write inside the books yeah um, but yeah I fold pages I write loads of notes you and see sometimes I put stickies in that's yeah. allowed because yeah, that's that, not you're actual defacement that. no I do deface them someone said to me you devour your books it's like yep like, so you are getting in my head as well 
because I like I, it's like I'm having a dialogue. Yeah. With the writer, I ask yeah. I ask it questions or if this reminds me of this is interesting thoughts on and do this whole. I just think one day I might look back and think, gosh, I was quite clever when I was young. <laughs> no, I really think that now, the though. Once I've actually done that to all kind of like A-level texts, and I have gone back to them, I've looked and I've gone, Oh, they can be really mm-hmm. embarrassing, can't they? That you is pretentious little pompous or, shit. Or more like, you really had no idea what you were talking about. You were just, just writing down what other people had said. Yeah. Yeah, just, there's that too. You know, We've all done enough. that. Yeah. But already I read things that I wrote... Like, years ago for my PhD or whatever and think I did that blimey because <laughs> I couldn't do it now poor old brain oh you're so good <laughs> no, the what through the what <laughs> <laughs> so what plans have you got for the next few weeks how are you going to get some writing in so plans are just to prioritise it just, so if I say all this other work I'm doing matters um, but it pays you know, it's my bread. Yeah, in the sense that yeah. It gives me the bread, but the thing that makes me feel alive is the writing. So I go right. I'm, I just have to remind myself every day that I'll feel better if I do it. So make some time. That's kind of what I try and say to myself. That sounds good. That and do always you, work? No, us. but you've got like so many other things on. You know, sort of pulling for your time. Do you have an inner critic? Oh God, yeah. What do you do about that inner critic? Um, sometimes listen to it and you know attack what I've written previously Uh so it Um, can be useful or is it always a liar no it's not always a liar but it it sometimes would be better to put a pillow over it Mm. you know just smother it it. Mm. (laughs) snatches come out before it dies (laughs) um, because otherwise I think it can stop you doing anything yeah and the worst days it does stop you doing anything yeah you're like what am I doing? Why do I think that what I've got to say is any more interesting than what anyone else has got to say? You know, it's that sort of self-doubt, which actually in, in its own way is also boring. You know, like I just want to turn around and look at myself and go, shut up. Yeah, because it's Cause not even that original, is it? No, and it's that's it's, it's the same. Yeah. So, could have, so sort of saying that what you've got, oh, it's not really interesting, what you're really doing is going, someone play the violin and tell me that really it is. You know, yes. you're waiting for someone to say, no, we do want to hear what you've got to say. Yeah. And the only person that can really do that is you. And, but to be fair, we, we do want to hear what, and because we're stuck in our own bloody heads all the time, we do think it's incredibly boring. But we're reading other people's thoughts and yes. thinking, this is interesting, this is a new way of seeing the world. I hadn't thought of that. Or, conversely, that's exactly how I see it. How lovely to not feel alone and stuck and, you, you know, so yes. and we to do see want things to. In a slightly new and interesting yeah, way. Yeah, defamiliarisation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to do it. Yes, ma'am. Shut it up. <laughs> Well, likewise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to just, yeah. No, I will. It's, it's, happening. it's happening. It's happening. It's a really, I, I really love the idea of the sound mirror. And I'm excited by what I've seen of it and heard of it already. Oh, thanks, darling. So well, it's doing what we talked about. this podcast. Oh, <laughs> well, it's doing what we talked about earlier, about that sort of colonial, thinking about colonialism and women and, but in the 20th century. Yeah. Otherwise, it will spiral out to be in a ten no, hundred thousand yeah. word. You know, then you go. Do we do this generation? That ge- what if you have? <laughs> I know. I always in my head. I've always got the lover by Margaret Duras in my head. <gasps> yeah, like, how oh, slim gosh. it is. How but beautiful what it is. a huge book! Exactly. And I tell myself, well, you know, if you can get all of that in just a small little volume, I know she's brilliant. Be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Do you have any other... Which are you, If you had a top ten... Can you do top tens? I'm shit at them. She would definitely, definitely yeah, be too. in it. Um, and... Oh, Which feels very... Yeah, lists are weird, but... If you had weird. a group of... Don't have... You don't have to have, like, a first, second, third. If you have a group of yeah. books that are your absolute... I think I have to... I life have raft. to say... Um, have to say Virginia Woolf. Mm-hmm. And Which really one? I've liked her more as an adult, I think. I think probably ultimately maybe Mrs Dalloway but to the lighthouse is kind of oh I love that and the waves as well my my child the one that I read as a teenager that Mm. you know made my life feel different Mm -hmm. um and then uh I really like um Dambudzo Maracera he's massively sort of in my head he's a um Zimbabwean writer that died in the 80s of AIDS um, oh no but his writing I just love it um it's very 
anarchic mm-hmm. and ships out all the kind of British colonial stuff fantastic <laughs> all over the page which I love and yeah. I don't know I mean there's, lo- there's so many and I find them I find new ones all the time people mm. that I was didn't know about and you read them and you go ooh there's another writer whose name I can't think of and I've bought her book about five times because I keep thinking I've lost it and then I go oh, I better buy that again <laughs> and when I read it I thought oh this is what, what everyone's read like it felt like their books had come from it um, and again I feel like I should have who's come that? Around. She's, I think, she's one of these people who, uh, she might have ended up in Switzerland, but, you know, was all over the place Mm. during the war, and um, her book is, yeah, I'll I'll have to, I'll have to send you a message about it, because it's, it's like a, it's brilliant, there are these two twins that get dropped off by their mother at their grandmother's house. Oh, You've given it to I've me. It to it's a po. Oh, it's, it's, I just love it. And they and they basically. It's talk about, about lying. Yeah, and they talk about language and how mm. you know they will only write the truth. Yes. Um, so they can't say you know our grandmother is a witch. They can only say people think that our grandmother is a witch. That yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. And it's it's just it's all that thing of you know people's prejudices and war and it's just got all of that human yeah no I, that, that was that was fantastic i can't think of the name of the author but i will i will look it up are you a fan of jean reese yes jean reese is in is one of yes. my life life raft books yes i mentioned that i mentioned um wide sagasso see quite a lot when i teach because of that whole thing of perspective and yeah. just how one glance in a different direction creates an entirely different narrative yeah she was just so incredible you're yeah. absolutely right actually yeah just looking the other way just actually paying attention differently Simone Veil talks about that doesn't she the act of attention is is the greatest compassion is the greatest connection it's the greatest act of love is to pay attention which I think is what writers are doing yes if we're doing it well we're paying yeah. close attention thinking with and against and for and that's when it becomes really exciting yeah Aren't we lovely? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that most in relation to my kids, thinking, oh gosh, I really should be better at that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Join the club, baby. Everyone thinks that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my lovely girl, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, I'm really honoured to be here, seriously. Oh, so thanks. you're an angel. Can't wait to read the bloody book, so hurry up. I'll try. <laughs> and will you come on and talk some more about it? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah very much yeah it'd be great thank you brilliant thank you darling thank you so guys thank you so much for joining me today and uh, me and the lovely Rebecca Latin Rawstrone if you would like a chance to win the Some Such Anthology uh, rate review on iTunes for me please that'd be great and then um, send me a message showing me like a screenshot or something I don't know I don't really know what I'm doing let me know that you've done it and let me know your address and where to send it and the first two that I pick out of the hat I will send a signed copy of the new Some Such Anthology thanks so much for listening Um, as ever been recorded produced mixed what I don't know edited all that stuff by me in my funny little room on my computer. Thank you so much for listening. I will speak to you again next week, hopefully with more progress to report. Take care, look after yourselves, speak soon. Mm-hmm.